Welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast, where we offer solutions to the obstacles you face when it comes to achieving your health and fitness goals. As a married couple who's lost a combined weight of 100 kilograms and 11 clothes sizes, our raw, real, and relatable stories will show you the path you must walk to achieve, and more importantly, maintain the results you know you can reach, because we know it works. So get ready to share the success and show the results with your hosts, Matt and Courtney. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Courtney and opposite me, as always, is Matt. Hey. I don't think we've done one of these without the other one here. I have. Have you? Yeah. When? When I interviewed Justin. Oh, yeah. A few seasons yep. back. Yep, the interviews we have done. Yep. But we've never been on here by literally by ourselves, ever. Like a solo episode? Yeah. No. No. Should we? I don't know. But it's probably because of that reason, there's probably no need for me to say, hi, I'm Courtney and this is Matt. Anywho, I digress. Welcome back (laughs) to the podcast and welcome to today's episode, which is, the title is, Matt. Dear personal trainers, please stop doing these things. (laughs) I love this title. Please stop doing these things. Please stop doing these things. Please, 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 please. So, yes, we are here to have a bit of a whinge and that's okay. It's our show. We can. Yes. But you can also think of this as something like an open letter. Yeah. Because we know that we have a lot of PTs that listen to this show. Yes. So we, in the interest of improvement and the interest of helping and the interest of also helping us to make our lives a bit easier as well, We've uh, put our heads together, Courtney and I, to come up with a list of things that we would really appreciate PTs stop doing. And we only whinge about this stuff because it it just doesn't make any sense. It's so easy to fix and people just need to listen to us pretty much. No, in all seriousness, we want we want PTs to succeed. No, no, in all seriousness, they should listen to us. But we do want them to succeed. Of course we do. We really love this industry and we want PTs to do really well. So please stop doing these things. (laughs) Would you like to go first or shall I? Oh, sure. All right, we'll get stuck into it. We've written down – written down? Yes, that's right. We've written down a – bunch of things Mm. (laughs) i don't know how many we did but we've written down a bunch of things and we're just going to start listing them and talking about each one so i will start which is we won't say the whole thing every time but dpts please stop looking at your phone while your client is training (laughs) yeah please if you're doing this while listening to us right now please stop (laughs) put down your phone put your phone down you don't need to check Instagram. You don't need to check your Facebook timeline. You don't need yeah. to put on the selfie camera and make sure that everything is in order. Yeah. There. In all jokes aside. I'm, hang on, wait, you think I'm joking? No, but I'm just being ser- Like, seriously, you are a professional. You should be a professional. You would not expect to go to the doctor and talking to your doctor and they're not paying attention to you, they're just texting on their phone. Or you wouldn't expect to go to an accountant or you wouldn't even expect to go anywhere. You wouldn't expect to go to the supermarket and the checkout person is checking their phone, not helping you. So, Well, it's a service, isn't it? You are in a service-based industry, Mm. so pay attention. Provide a service. Provide a service, pay attention. You've got plenty of time. To look at your phone later, there is nothing that important. Yeah, that's actually, you know what? That's actually a good way of putting it. Um, when I used to train people face to face back in the old days, uh, that the, the mentality, at least I had, um, and I tried to teach you, Courtney, when we had our own gym, was that when when the clients were working, like we're doing nothing else. Like this is. Yeah. Because the only a, time that it's acceptable to have your phone. I think, is if you are filming your client mm. 
doing their working set for, you know, maybe they want a film of it to show somebody or what? maybe you just want to show your client so they can understand visually what is happening. Demonstration purposes. Hey, Correct. here's your squat. I've recorded you doing the squat from these key yeah. angles. Now have a look at this with me. You can see here you're not getting quite the, you know, yeah. the five parallel, from, your chest isn't up, whatever. Or for marketing purposes, things like that. But that is definitely fine and that's that's the times in the past we've had our phone during during our sessions with our clients. But, yeah, the amount of times you see you see PTs and they're not, they're not doing that. They're literally just leaning against a squat rack scrolling you can see their little thumbs scrolling up and down so they're not doing yeah. anything but checking instagram mm-hmm. and it's not it's not needed or te- texting somebody well it's not helpful it's not helpful and especially especially one might say it's disrespectful it is disrespectful and especially like if something really is that important to look up do it while your client's resting you don't need to be doing it not while they're working. While they're working because out. It's, it's not just it's not just hey it's disrespectful that you're being paid to assist here and being paid to teach and being paid to coach, there's safety issues here. Yeah. Like when you're scrolling on your fucking phone and your client's doing like a max set of squats and if you're not watching, the next thing is they've collapsed or something's gone wrong or they're stuck or whatever and it's like, oh, shit, better put my phone down. Be proactive. Yes. All right, next one. Mm-hmm. Please, PTs, stop talking to someone else while your client is training. This triggers me. Tremendously. Yeah. Client is on mm, the leg press, you know, grinding out a, a pretty heavy set while the trainer is talking to a different gym member or a different trainer. Or, you know, the worst one is client is on the leg press doing a hard set while the trainer is talking to another trainer while their client's doing something else as well. Yeah. The daily double. The only time that this is ever acceptable to me is if you are training two clients at once Mm. and you are talking through what you are looking at to the other client. Yeah. But again, that is educational. This isn't like what we're talking about in this situation is PTs who are socially talking. Yeah, the social. Yeah. About social things, not okay. Again, you are there, like you said, Matt, you are there as a teacher. Mm. You are there as a coach. Coach your clients and worry about what you did on the weekend later. I can tell you the exact times where I have spoken to other people while a client is working on their set. And it is, as Courtney said, to be instructing someone like, hey, you know, person over here is doing a bench press, have a look at, you know, how their knees are at 90 degrees. Have a look at the natural arch in their back while they're you know, while their shoulder blades and their hips remain in contact with the bench, have a look at this and this and this. Or, it's almost like providing a educational commentary whilst working yeah. with the client. The other time I've spoken to someone is when I said, hey, can you please stand there for me in the safety position while I'm over here critiquing from a, yeah. from a coaching position? Well, the thing is when you're spotting clients, uh, the, a safety position – isn't always the best position to watch them perform. So say, for example, if a, a squat's a great example. If a client's doing a squat, the safety position is right behind them, shadowing them just in case. But you can't see posture from right behind them. You can, you're best seeing their posture from side on or on an angle like a diagonal side on, if not front on for some, you know, looking at the knees, where the knees track and things like that. Other than that, I don't see any reason to talk to anyone else while your client's working. No. Like, again, again, as we said before, it's a safety thing. Yeah, safety thing. And um, respect. Respect thing and be educational. Like, be a coach. Mm. That's what you got into this industry to do, to do it. Yeah. I think I think a lot of the social things I see with trainers is that, and this, this is going to come out sounding the wrong way and I'll elaborate, but they're trying too hard to be friends and not putting enough effort to be a coach. Now, it's okay to be, you know, I think it's actually kind of necessary to have a relationship with your client to some level because you have to know what makes them tick. But yeah, but di- this is, I think that's taking us into the next one, what you're talking about. This is talking to other people. And to be honest with you, I think when people, personal trainers start talking socially to other people while a client's working out, they're, they're only doing it because they're bored. 
they're yeah. bored with what they're doing and they're and they're not paying attention. Well, and that I they're suppose getting distracted. Also tells you they're probably in the wrong job. Correct. Which is you you're making a very good point though, and I want to read out the next one, which is PTs, please stop talking to your own client while they are do, trying to complete a working set. Mm. So I have no problem at all, never had an issue, and I do it a lot. I used to do it a lot myself when I would train clients face-to-face, which is have a chat with them between sets. Same. You know, talk about the weekend, talk about their dog, talk about, you know, you get you, you get – you get um, well, you to form, know. You form a rapport with people. Yeah, you get to know your clients really well. Yeah. We knew clients' birthdays, weddings that were coming up, or kids birthday names. parties, kids' names, what you know, what they did, the new job, pets, yeah. you yep. know, um, mm. things that were going wrong in their life, mm. you know, uh, family illnesses, things like that, things mm-hmm. that were really exciting. Yep. So there was always stuff to talk about and catch up on, and I've got no problem with that. I like. I'm sure you agree, Matt. We encourage it because you're building a relationship with someone. It has to be a relationship built on of trust. Well, the whole the whole thing between coach and client is is a relationship based thing because there's a lot of trust involved and both ways. And it's both ways. So your our clients got to know us really well, and they got yep. to know when things were coming up in our lives, good and bad. So it's definitely that sort of dialogue is fantastic. The only time that it should be done though is. Before you start, between sets, and after you finish. All right. So when would be, outside of that, when is it acceptable to talk to your client while they're working out or actually, you know, working through a set? It's it's not. It's between sets only. And, and the reason is what you were just touching on, like starting to touch on before, Matt, is that, yes, people, I think personal trainers, they try too hard with clients to be friends, you know, straight away, mm. you be, you, give it time. It's fine. You don't need to be their best friend, you know, week one. <laughs> you know, build up a rapport with somebody just like you would anybody else. But when a client is during a, like doing a working set, they're doing a working set. I can think of one time it's okay to talk to them during a working set when you're telling them where they need to improve. Yes, when you're telling them where they need to improve or you're confirming the count. Yeah. Actually, can you can you use the example, Courtney, of when I've spotted you, how often do I speak when I, when you're when you're working? Very rarely. And it also you build up a rapport. So when Matt and I work out together, we both wear headphones. So the person spotting takes their headphones off, but usually the person working still wearing their headphones. I would I would encourage you to keep your headphones yeah. on because it's where you get your focus in. Now, that's at the gym. Now that we're working out more at home, I tend not to wear my headphones. But when we're working out in the gym, I always wear headphones during a working set. Same. So I think that we've got really good, Matt and I, at giving each other more hand signals or just a slight touch. Like he'll touch my arm during a bench press. Fully appropriate, I might add. Not never. <laughs> I would never touch my wife inappropriately. Arm. Ever. I said arm. That's what. Yeah. Yes, Matt would touch my arm or my elbow during a during a bench press, and that's a signal for me because we've been working out together for so long. That's a signal to me that my elbow's coming up too high during during that pressing move. Because we've worked together for a long time and because it's a habit that I tend to always have, so I know if anything's going to go wrong in my bench press, it's going to be that. What's this? So what Matt's doing, Matt, we're, we're on a verbal medium here. It's they podcast. can't see what you're yeah. doing. You can explain. So what, what Matt is doing is he's, he's um, putting his hand, he's uh, moving his hand downwards in a motion downwards, which means slow. Yeah, because I'm slowing my hand down as I move it down. So he's moving his hand downwards, which means go slower in the movement. And if he moved his hand upwards, it would be quicker, which never happens because I always go too quick. And I've done this before. Yeah, so he's pointing his finger down rather than moving his whole hand down. So the pointing the finger in a downward position means I'm not going low enough. Yeah, I'm pointing my index finger at the floor, so that's a a, a nonverbal cue to tell Courtney, hey, your range of motion is not there. Yeah. So The whole point is these are the things you actually do develop with a client. And I I was really, to be honest, kind of pleased with myself to develop that skill where 
I could give the client the cues they needed to, to, to get without me being in their ear commentating or even worse, counting every fucking rep. Now, I will say most clients in the gym, most PTs and clients, they don't wear headphones I that I see. Mm. Now, that's obviously their personal choice. So if you don't wear headphones, obviously you don't have to do those hand signal cues. You can do a verbal cue. Well, the thing is I still did the hand signal cues even without the clients having their headphones on because it's, that's the rapport you develop over time. So if I was working with a client now in the gym and we had a good rapport and I, you know, we got, got past those sort of an early stages of figuring out you know, what they can do, what their abilities are, I would, I would definitely say to a client, like, hey, if you want to wear your headphones while you're doing your set, I can get around that because I can give you nonverbal cues so you yeah. know what to do. And, and if, if they don't want to wear headphones, if they're happy not to wear headphones, no that's problem fine. At all. But make sure that the cues that you're giving to your clients are short, very clear. That's all it has to be verbalized. Mm. They're short and they're very clear. Now, if you want to count for your clients or if you want your clients to count, personally, I don't really, I don't think it really matters. I really don't think it really it does not matter. Just whatever you do, don't count out loud so the entire gym can hear you count to 10. We don't need to hear that. But if you want to count for your client, if you want your client to count, I don't care. I don't think it matters, but make sure somebody knows who's counting. Don't just start because you'll both assume that the other person is counting. Mm. So that is the only other time that I would speak to a client during. If I was counting for them, I would tell them usually when they had two left. And that's something that Matt used to do to me. So then I got used to doing it. Mm. So Matt, when I first started training with him, he would count for me. And he would tell me when I, I bet he would not count out loud. That's the difference. Fuck no. Would not count out loud even when I didn't wear headphones. Mm. But what he would tell me was when I had two left. Sometimes as well, if I was doing a very high rep range, he would say halfway, which I also liked because it can feel like you're going on forever if you're doing a really high rep range. Mm. So often Matt would say halfway and then he wouldn't say anything else. Unless I had to. And then unless he had to. And then he would say two left and then he would go from there but you know so I, I don't think you and you and your client can work out what's best in terms of counting them or you but that is the only discussion that should be taking place during a working set I'm not talking about the rest periods in between I'm talking about a working set some a client cannot work as hard as they need to if they're trying to have a conversation with you about your weekend you'd also say as well the, the time for the socials and getting to know your client should probably come after you figure out what their abilities are and you both have sort of established a rhythm together in the gym. Yeah. That's, got, that's what's got to come first. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, all right. I think the only other thing I'll say about this as well is that you've got to think if you're, if you're exerting a lot of effort, mm. which is what a workout's supposed to be, it's not supposed to be a social. Well, it's a training session, isn't it? It's meant to be a training session. So if you're exerting a lot of effort, if you're learning something new, which a lot of people have personal trainers because they're learning new techniques, they're learning, they want to Or they're be getting coached. good at existing techniques. Correct. Yeah. So they're looking for that feedback. They're looking to understand the way their bodies are moving mm. and responding. You cannot concentrate on what your body's doing and count and have a conversation about how drunk you're going to get on the weekend. <laughs> Those three things cannot happen at the same time. Mm. And focus on your breathing. Sorry, four, four things. Because if you don't breathe properly while you're exerting force, then it's harder. It's harder. And you're not going to go as hard either because it is harder. It's not as effective. So yep. it's just, it just is one of the, one of the most annoying things to me. Mm. And it's just one of the most unnecessary things as well. Um, so please, please, please. Save the socials for before and breaks and after. Yeah, basically, um, if you're doing anything other than coaching your client while they're training, what are you doing? And you know what? Just I'll very briefly on this one. I'll just say it's very easy as well. Personal trainers will say, oh, but how do I stop them talking? Very easy. Tell them. Tell them to stop. It's, it's not rocket science. You just say, you look at your clock – some personal trainers will even set a timer on their watch for the breaks in between sets so they don't go too long 
timer or you you feel like okay this is a good enough break you've recovered if they're if they're talking about their weekend let them finish the sentence and then say hold that thought we'll talk about it afterwards let's get the next set done you know something else that i've always had for me in, in that situation if a client has the ability to have a bit of a gas bag between sets the sets aren't hard enough yeah so i don't i don't, don't know if you remember courtney but I'd always catch clients out um, at the gym if they're talking a lot. It's like I'm just going to start putting their weights up on them. Yeah, well, you yeah, you're right, because I mean, you're clearly not fatiguing. If you can get to the end of uh, of a 45 minute or an hour long workout, and you're still still talking the same way that you did when you first walked in the door, it wasn't a training session. Well, you clearly weren't working very hard. Mm-hmm. Shall I hit the next one? Yes. Okay, PTs, please stop telling people that weight loss is easy. It's just calories in versus calories out because that's not how it fucking works. And please stop saying that when you've never actually gone on your own weight loss journey yourself. Yeah. Stop. Okay, straight up, does calories in and calories out have an impact? Yes. Yes. I mean, calorie deficit is not a... A groundbreaking, you know, yeah, discovery. I'm, I'm not, um, Everyone knows it. I'm not breaking any new news here. Yeah. However, I will say it is a gross oversimplification yes. of how this works because it then, if it was as simple as that, we wouldn't have to worry about habits or self-talk, self-belief, you know, confidence or lack thereof. Please stop oversimplifying it by saying, oh, it's just calories in and calories out because you know what? For most people, no, it fucking isn't. Because it doesn't take into account the person who has has a habit of getting a certain distance along the way then self-sabotaging. Um, or the person who has a poor support network at home. Eating disorders. Uh, eating disorders. Or the people, the person that's you know, been in such a, a bad place for so long, they have no confidence or self-belief. Yeah, men- mental health, you know, problems, things like th- of this nature, anxiety, things like this, and, and poor relationships with food, like mm-hmm. a warped body image. Like yep. there's there's so many things, and I agree. I, I, I do get really annoyed when people just break it down to, well, it's just a calorie deficit or it's just calories in versus calories out. Yes, moron, we know that. But it's not just about that. If it was just about that, well, there'd be no fat people, would there? Realistically, it does make me really cross because it it's completely to me you're you're talking down to people when you say that. You you you're treating people like children and you're treating people like, you know, that they haven't got other problems and you're basically telling them that any other problems they're not important because this is easy. It's basically to me, if someone said that to me, it's, it's almost like, oh, well, this is so easy. You should have done it by now. Mm. It is. You're right. It is kind of discounting a person's individual challenges mm. and struggles. Like, oh, what do you mean you, you have issues with emotional eating? It's just calories in and calories out. What's wrong with you? It's really, it's really quite annoying. And also, especially if you, you're like to become a good personal trainer, you don't need to have come from a weight loss background. That is not a prerequisite. Mm. But what you can't do is just tell, like dis, um, dismiss, make dismissive comments like that. Like oh, it's just calories in versus calories out. In a way, you can't do it anyway. You especially can't do it because if you've never had an issue with weight loss, mm. and you're saying that to somebody that has had an issue with weight loss. Yeah, it's there's there's no level of, of empathy there. No. It's very easily seen through. But I've also seen with with people that can sort of lead people astray where and I'm sure you listening, like we all know someone or have known someone um, that fits the bill with this, where they are of the calories in versus calories out mindset or their, you know, hardcore calorie counters. It's like, oh well, I'm not eating today because I'm going out and I'm gonna have all my calories in alcohol tonight. Like, yeah, okay, that's healthy. I think it just leads to, it, it, it can just lead to increased um, confusion about weight loss and about food and nutrition. And it just also, the oversimplification, it, 
it can also lead to an increased problem with emotional eating because then you start to trade off food. You start to trade off like, well, I won't eat lunch because I'm going to have a piece of cake. Well, that's what I was hinting at before. Where I've, I've, I've known people where I'm not, I'm not eating today because I'm drinking tonight. Yeah. So it, it's just, to me, it's a very dismissive comment to make about people's feelings and people's, people's struggles. Well, it, it can be easy to fall into the trap of thinking, oh, well, if it's that simple and I can't do it, what the fuck's wrong with me? That, that's what I get from comments like that. Mm. That's what I would think. Well, if it's so easy, why do I suck at it? Mm. You know, like that—that that is what is annoying to me about it. All right, I'll uh, I'll read. I'll start with the next one. So allow me to um, just get on the soapbox for a moment before I make some room for Courtney. Dear personal trainers, please stop lowering your prices. Now, some of you listening are going to hear me say this and go, "Like, what the hell is this guy on about?" Here's the deal. No one wins when it's a race to the bottom. And lowering your prices, charging less than what you feel or know you are worth is absolutely a race to the bottom. And you never, ever, ever win. Because there's some people out there, and I happen to be one of them personally, who sincerely believe you get what you pay for. Yeah. Are you in that in that category, Courtney? Yeah, absolutely. Now, I will say I wasn't always wired that way. It's just as I've as I've sort of you know gotten older, and I think especially becoming you know getting into you know having our own business and starting it myself many many years ago, you appreciate more um, the value of things when you are valuing yourself, when you're valuing your time and your expertise. I think that that's the main point that I take from this. So to me. You know, there's – I always remember, you know, the saying of it just – just because it's the most expensive doesn't mean it's the best. So I think that I always try to consider that also with just because someone's prices might be really high doesn't necessarily mean they're the best. But at the same time, I do agree that I like what you said about no one wins when it's a race to the bottom because you are – if you are discounting, discounting, discounting – it, it shows a lack of self-worth confidence in your expertise and and your time and I think that that's really important to understand that your time is valuable your time is worth something and at the end of the day you're running a business personal training is a business yep personal training is a service-based business you are running a service and in in pretty much all cases, whether it's face-to-face or online, it is a time-based business. Correct. And it's time you never get back. And it is an expertise-based business. That's what you said. Yeah. You are coaching somebody. Mm. You are a coach. You should be a coach. Mm. You are a teacher. Yeah. So you are, you are passing on your wisdom and knowledge onto somebody else, and that is worth something. Yeah. So and, – and, yeah, I think always remember that no one wins when it's a race to the bottom. I do agree with you with what, what you said before with just because it's the most expensive doesn't mean it's the best. But I will say with, with where I am, I will always lean towards the higher end of the scale because I'm, I believe in you get what you pay for. And I personally – these days and for a long time now, I'm actually scared off by cheaper things unless it's like an obvious bargain. But in the case of what we're talking about here, I if I was looking if I was looking for a coach in any sort of area, I would not be looking for the cheapest. Now, here's a question then for you. Go. In terms of new personal trainers starting yeah. out, we're in maybe years one, two, one, two of starting your own business. You're, you know, you're building up your business. Do you feel like in that situation that how do you structure your value of your time in that situation? Same deal. Same deal. Um, You should be charging um, what you feel genuinely what you and your time and your expertise are worth because to even get to the stage of being a, a relatively new PT, you've had to jump through certain hoops to get there. Yeah certain education-based hoops. And in many, many, many cases, well, actually I would say most cases with PTs, 
you've already previously invested in yourself in some way, be it in gym memberships, um, coaching with another PT yourself yeah. previously. Like I know for me, like when I when I first became a PT, like I was, you know, you'd say I was a rookie PT, but I'd been investing in myself for a decade prior yeah. to actually becoming a PT. And so even when I was relatively new, um, and this is where good coaching comes into where I was taught straight away coming out of the gate, charge what you're worth. Yeah. Charge what you feel you're worth. And that will change over time. But if, I've seen it with PTs where if you if you start off or any time along the way you get into that mindset of, oh, gee, things might be a bit tight this month. I should, you know, offer a discount or drop my prices. It's hard to go back the other way because you also then put – that sense of value out into the world. That's the one I wanted to say as well, is that lowering your prices, it, you've got to be very careful because if you're lowering them for different people and then you've got to keep track of who had which price, then if you get a referral from that person at the lower price, they want the same price that their friend paid, it just becomes like a very, very confusing, very messy structure. I can I can honestly say, and this is not bragging or anything. It's just in hindsight, it's worked out to be a smart way to go about it, and it's because I was taught this early. I've never lowered my prices, yeah, ever. And for us, when you and I start doing this together, we've never lowered our prices, and we never will, ever, um, because once once you start to potentially the phrase I was always taught is you can institutionalize people, so if people. If people come to know you as, oh, that's Matt. He's the guy that runs a thousand boot camp classes a week for ten bucks, and you then try and change to something a bit more high end. Yeah. Good luck with that, because at least the people that are around you, they're going to go, because they've become used to the fact that you are El Cheapo. Yeah. Now the thing is, I'm not going to sit here and say that. Oh, you should, you know, you should be charging people a fortune but hey it's your time and it's your expertise know what you're worth and that confidence in yourself does transfer to clients and potential clients like i'm going to presume here as dangerous as this is with even with our own clients if we cut our prices in half right now they'd be like why the fuck do they do that yeah what's wrong what's what's the deal you know there's, there is, I think, a confidence in saying, hey, this is what we're worth. We know we can back it up. Yeah. It's then on you as the client to get your money's worth out of us. Yeah. Which is what we recommend trainers tell clients like, hey, I ain't the cheapest, but if you put in the work along with the investment here, you will get far more than what you're paying for here. Yeah. And that's one thing I try to have with us is like with us, like again, we're not, we are not the cheapest. Well, people are, well, how much does Matt and Courtney charge? Fucking heaps is, is the roundabout answer. But also we will give you more than what you're paying for. Yeah. And especially if you get the outcome that you want, priceless. So PTs, please stop lowering your prices. Please stop offering discounts. Please stop bundling things in. You're just making your life harder. And that's how you're going to burn yourself out. And then everybody will always want more. Trust us. Mm-hmm. Everyone will always want more. All right, next one. Um, please stop winging it with your clients. Please, PTs, PTs, please. Please stop winging it with your clients and their training programs. What do you mean? So this, to me, I see it really obviously in two two areas. So you've got the winging it where the client will – come in and say, oh, I've really had a hard day at work. Mm. Can we just do something light today? Oh. And the PT will say, sure, what would you like to do? Mm. What would you like to do? If they knew they wouldn't need you. No, not what do you want to do is, I'm really sorry you've had a hard day at work. Let's blow the cobwebs out with a nice hard training session and get you get your home feeling better. Correct. You will feel better after this. Trust me. Yep. Let's smash this. I've got. I'm here with you. You yep. are their coach. 
Coach them through it. Yep, and not just that. Like with, with winging it, like please just stop doing random shit in general. Like, uh, what, oh, hey, Courtney. Hey, how are you going? What do you feel like doing today? The amount of the amount of PTs who do not keep records of what their clients are doing, have done, plan to do, programming is is apparently a word that they just means nothing. Banned. Like. Have a program. The amount of the amount of PTs that you will see that will meet their clients in the reception space, they will walk into the gym and they'll literally say, I hear them say, would you like to do upper or lower body today? What? Don't ask that. Mm. There should be a plan. If they're not working out with you two or three times a week, that doesn't matter. If they're only working out with you once a week, that's fine. But they should still have a plan. What? Is your client doing on their own on their days? And what are they doing with you on your day? Yep. And they should be doing the hardest one or the one that takes the most amount of coaching with you on your day because that's what you're there for. Mm. They should be doing the easy stuff, or easy not to do, but easy to understand. Easier by themselves. To do by themselves. That they may not have a spotter for, that it may not be a big deal. Can I give an example? I'm so glad you brought this up. So when I first when I first started, um, I would have some clients that I only saw once a week because when you're first starting, like hey, I'm you know I'm trying to get my feet on the ground here. Let's you know help as many people as I can. Understandable. So I'd have some clients where to begin with, I might just see them one day a week, but that wouldn't mean they're only training one day a week. I'd still structure their entire program. So it might be a client where they're doing say three days a week in the gym lifting weights. So it would be broken up into a standard sort of push-pull legs, you know, chest, back, legs, right? Okay, cool. They would do leg day with me because leg day is the hardest. Yes, it is. And the one that requires the most amount of coaching and for most cases the most amount of safety spotting Yes, as well. Sometimes I would mix it up like, hey, this week I want to watch you on your back day. Yes. Just like a form check. Yes, this week, just a once off. Yep, this once a month, I might you know I might watch your back day, I might watch your chest day. Yeah, but you know nine times out of ten, I'm there for the hardest day. Feedback from your clients too. How are you going with back? How yep. are you going with chest? Do you mm-hmm. feel like there's anything that we need to look at? Mm-hmm. No, I feel like it's it's going really well. Great, we're staying with legs. Yeah, here's one. What would I never supervise people with? Cardio. Yep. You know why? Because you don't fucking need me for that. Don't need cardio. Um, there's if there is some some times where you can squeeze it in, like you might be seeing like a client four times a week, and we're doing three days a week of weights. And yeah, okay, I'll take you for a cardio session each week as part of the package. But for the, for me, like I yeah, and I you could definitely, as you said, you could definitely switch it up. You could also do something where the person feels really confident with upper body, and yeah, they might only be on a two day split. Upper and lower body, great. Do upper body by yourself, we're going to do lower body. You might find after the first program that you've trained them so well on lower body, they feel so confident. Flip it. They just say, for the next program, can we switch it? For the next 10 weeks, can we switch it so I can feel more confident with my upper body training? Boom, great. done. That's, you know what that is? That's quality feedback and that's the collaborative effort that this actually should be. Uh, anything else you want to add there? Don't... The other thing is make sure you're not only programming, but you're recording progression. You're recording weights. The amount of cl- the personal trainers that we see that don't carry a notepad, they don't carry a pen, they carry their phone, but they're certainly not writing down weights in it. Mm. Like every client should have a program and they you should be writing down their numbers. And for the... For the times where you'd have the clients doing their own sessions by themselves during the week, teach them how to record the numbers the same way you do. When I first started training with Matt, Matt always carried a tablet. So, Were you impressed by that? It was, yeah. It was organisation. Is that part of how you got the hots for me? Absolutely. So I fell for your tablet. So Matt used to have a tablet. So it was the size of an iPad, but it wasn't the iPad brand. It was just a cheaper, not expensive. You don't spend a lot of money. You don't need an iPad or anything fancy. Just a simple... Are you sure it wasn't expensive? Because I bought it. Okay. Maybe it was expensive. I don't mm. care. Um, you don't need anything fancy. You don't even need technology. Just use a pen and a paper. 
Just still, use a notepad. Still, I use a tablet. Matt used a tablet. He had a spreadsheet on the tablet and he would he would track, you know, write in my numbers for me when I trained with him. I had access to the same spreadsheet on through on a Dropbox file. Or Google Drive. Or a Google Drive shared file. Not, not hard. So then I would open it and use it during my workouts. If you want to go old school and use pen and paper, that's fine. Give your client a notepad, tell them to bring it with them to your sessions and bring it with them to their own sessions. There's only one wrong way to track your, your workout numbers and that's to not track them. Yeah, because you're walking in the next week, you've just trained another 10, 20, 30 people during the week. You absolutely, 100, I don't care what sort of memory you've got, you do not remember what they did nah. and you do not remember what weights they did during that time. Nah. I, I, would, I would claim I have a pretty damn good memory. Um, even in that particular instance, I had no chance. Nah. But also as well, um, being able to track what the clients are doing actually creates training momentum. Yes. And, and you, you felt this, Courtney, when you first started with this, like you were getting strong. Strong. All the way through, there's no, like there's that's how you bust through plateaus because you've got a structure and you've got detail on this is what we did last week, okay, this is what we'll do this week, and then we'll and it's how you get there. your clients engaged because your client can see progression, it can you feel can, progression, see progression. Well, you can see you can record it and you can see it in the numbers, yeah, you feel it as you're going along, but yeah. it does create that sense of momentum, and I think it actually it it elevates what's happening from just oh, I'm doing a workout with my trainer to I'm going for a training session in my training program. Yes. Which is different to, oh, I'm going to the gym to work out. Yes. I always will, will argue there's a difference between workout and training session. Yes. Next one? Next one. Shall I? Yes. DPTs, please stop diet hopping. If you keep doing this, your clients have got no effing chance at all. What do I mean by this? Okay, I have seen it where, okay, um, we've had clients tell us this from their, from their own previous trainers as well. Yeah, I was a bit confused because my client would jump from paleo to keto to intermittent fasting. It's like, what the yeah. fuck? Yeah, yeah. Here's the deal. Pick and stick. Mm. Pick and stick. Yeah. Get good at whatever it is. Like if you're... If you're a specialist paleo coach, like, hey, stay with that. Fine. If you love coaching CrossFit, fine. Great. Perfect. Be, be good at it. But the thing is, like, don't – please just stop jumping from one to the other because that doesn't exactly instill confidence in your clients because guess what? If you're lost, they got no chance. Yeah. None. i got nothing else to add there. Just please stop diet hopping, like – yeah, not how, that's not how you help people. No. And the next one, you want me to do it? Oh, this is – you like this one. I'll give it to you. I like this one. All right. PTs, please stop being a generalist. What is do, that an actual word? Yes, it no. is. It is a word. Okay. Okay. What do I mean by generalist? Okay. Well, do you know what a specialist is? Generalist is the direct opposite. So the generalist, and you might see this, you'll see, you might see your local PT advertising, hey, if you need help with your health and fitness goals, come to me. Like, what the fuck's a health and fitness goal? Or, hey, would you like to sign up for my nutrition program? Like, no. No sane person signs up for a nutrition program. And I've always said this. I've told trainers this. Clients don't sign up for personal training. They don't sign up for nutrition programs or health and fitness. They sign up for specific goals and it's your job to ascertain what the hell they are. But then also be able to marry up. Do am I damn good at helping people achieve this goal? Yes. Hence the phrase generalist or specialist. The recommendation here is to stop being a generalist, stop selling health and fitness, and be a specialist. Let me give you a real easy example of what I mean by specialist. Courtney, what is the name of this podcast? The Weight Loss Podcast. What is not the name of this podcast? Anything else, right? Now, have 
do Courtney and I know the theory behind, say, endurance events, endurance running, whatever? Yes. Do we coach that with our clients? No. Never. Would never. Why? That's not what we're the best at. That's not our strength. We stick to our strengths. Hence, when you look at um, the Weight Loss Podcast, like, that, what would you get that confused with? What else do they talk about? It's all related to this one thing. Same thing with being a specialist. So Courtney and I, we understand that we can help solve – actually, this is a good example, of, if I do say so myself, where we've been, well, I've been asked by, by other coaches and other trainers in the past, like, oh, so what's your niche? What, what – What's your, what type of client do you work with? Like what, what you know, male, female, like what are their age brackets? And it's like, no, we don't have certain clients like that. We have certain problems that we solve. Yes. And that's, that's where we tend to specialise in we solve certain types of problems. Note, those problems aren't health and fitness. Yeah. Those problems aren't like, hey, come to us for coaching. Like no one wants yeah. that bullshit. And I think that that's the best way to explain not becoming a generalist which is don't try and help everyone don't find a problem to solve not people to help Ooh. so just like you said we find a problem to solve and then the niche comes with that particular problem so that might be a very broad niche because the problem you're solving goes you know through like weight loss it goes through ages genders ethnicities yeah very broad mm. the niche is broad the problem is very specific yes you might be somebody who specializes in postpartum post-pregnancy mm. recovery that comes with a very different niche well look at look at our friend megan um our friend one of our friends megan hosts the pcos podcast she specialises in weight loss for women with PCOS and other chronic conditions. Correct. So she's in the same weight loss field as us, but specialises in different type of problems yes. to us. And you've got Andy who specialises in mums. Mums. Yep. Okay. So she she has specific problem that she solves. Oh, should mention for you listening, thinking Andy, we have a new podcast we're announcing pretty soon. More coming. Yes. So she's a specific problem that she is great at solving, helping solve. The best. Now, that problem in her particular case, and same with Megan's particular case, comes with a particular niche of people. Mm. A general idea of an age bracket because of the, the you know, with, especially with Andy, with post-pregnancy, will usually come with, a you know, a certain age bracket. It's obviously going to be female. And... That just happens to be the niche that comes with her problem. So if you want to stop being a generalist, focus on specialising in a problem. What do you have experience with or are you passionate about? Mm. Pick something. It doesn't necessarily have to be something you have first-hand experience with. However, I will say, I will say though, you are in a stronger position if you do. Correct. But it also might just be something that you're passionate about. You are going to work harder and you are going to upskill better yourself if you are passionate about that a topic. Is, that is the key word, is, is passion and being passionate because you can't fake that. And if you try and fake it, you get found out. Yep. Big time. And I personally think that when you are new PTs just starting off, that you might have a couple of things you're interested and passionate about and that's okay. Yeah, for sure. But as you go along, just make sure that you're keeping your focus narrow. It's mm. very easy to get distracted and broaden it out, especially if you're someone who loves to learn or, you know, you love um, just to have knowledge about stuff. You want to learn everything, but you're not going to be good at everything. Mm. So keep it focused. Something I should also mention, this does tie into to the one I was ranting about before with lowering your prices. Um, the more you specialise... And the more you sort of lean into knowing, okay, these are the, the problems I, I am best at solving, you don't need to lower your prices because yeah. you become the best at your field. Yeah. And that, that's why like, it, it can almost sound arrogant where Courtney and I can say like, yes, we are the best in the world at solving these problems. 
we can prove it. Yeah. That's not arrogance. That's we've earned that, you know, and that that's part of how we value ourselves too because we know like these particular problems that we solve um, in our line of work, you ain't going to find no one better than that or better than us at that. Yep. And we, we, we understand our value with that. Yes. You want to do the next one? I can do the next one. Um, allowing your clients to run the show. <laughs> PTs, please, 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 please understand that you are in charge. Mm. You are the coach. You are the leader here. Now, isn't that the key word, leader? You are the leader in this situation. So lead. Be, be in charge. Don't allow your clients to come in and direct you in what they do or don't want to be doing. Simple, simple thing. Um, the inmates can't run the asylum, right? Now, when we say don't allow your clients to run the show, that's not to say they can't have feedback because they damn well should. It's essential. And it should, it should be a collaborative effort. Correct. But there's, there's a line with this. Yeah. So There's a line when your clients start telling you how to do your job because you're not going to walk into their workplace. You know, if you've got a client who's a paramedic, you're not going to walk into their workplace and tell them how to do their job. Mm. They're, they've come to you and they've basically asked for your services for a reason. So ideally, when they've asked for your services and you've sat down with them and you've done your goal setting and you've done your programming and you've figured out how you're best going to help solve their, their particular situation or help them solve their particular situation, mm. then you're going to turn around and you're going to take their advice. <laughs> what? Hmm. What? Mm. No. And it's very easy. And and clients, prepare yourself. If you are a new PT, this will happen. Clients will push you. They will push back. Not always, by the way, not always uh, intentionally. No. It's just some some people, we all have different personalities. We all have you, to, yeah. Absolutely. You have to have the confidence to know, here's what I do. I'm damn good at it. I run the show. And then as... um. I know for, from my perspective, um, the the longer we spend with a client, and like we, you know, for a number of years now, Courtney and I haven't done any sort of face-to-face personal training. We've been all online and we're going to remain that way. But even then, with even where we are now, the more time we spend coaching a client, the more you know, those clients that make progress and they start to get the, the runs on the board or the experience under their belt, we'll take their feedback. Yeah. We want to hear their ideas. We want to hear their thoughts. And we, we accept and encourage and appreciate their feedback. But it's a whole lot different to if you've got, say, a, a new client who's, you know, 30 kilos overweight who wants to tell you how to do your job. Like, oh, no. No, 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 no. no. Here's the thing. absolutely a difference. Here's the thing, right? This is what I used to tell – when I used to coach PTs myself, I used to tell them this. If the client knew what they were doing, they wouldn't be your fucking client. No. There's definitely definitely a difference. I agree, Matt. There needs to be a certain level of vulnerability on both sides to Absolutely. be able to accept feedback and have dialogue about feedback and it mm. be constructive and it and it allow you to develop yourself and move forward. And there also needs to be a line that's drawn where it's like the coach and the client. Can I can I just give before we move to the next one? Can I give just examples? I wouldn't mind if you agree with see if you agree with this, Courtney, of where I would um, really accept feedback from clients versus not. So if you've got a client who's relatively new to this, or they've been working with you for a while, and to be honest, and we all know if this is what's happening, they haven't put in the work. The client knows when they haven't put in the work, they haven't shown up, and you damn well know too. Are you going to take feedback from a client who hasn't done any sort of work or hasn't put in much work or has just disappeared? No fucking way. People in the peanut gallery, zip it. However, if you have a client who's been with you for months, if not a year plus, and they've put in the work, they haven't they haven't been perfect because no one is, but they you can look at them and go, this person is having a dig. They've had a crack and they're learning and they're getting better and they seek improvement. Damn right I'd take feedback from them. I want to hear from them. Yeah. 
because I stand to learn from people like them because they've got different perspectives that have come through hard-earned experience. Yes. Now, that doesn't not to say that clients like that will run the show, but I know with me at least, I can be influenced by clients like that because you know what? They've earned that respect. Yeah. So if you well, – I won't name names, but I know she'll be listening. We have a client um, in the UK, and she's an absolute gem. And she's been with us for a number of years now where if she, if she comes with ideas or feedback or suggestions, I'm going to take that – and I do take that deadly seriously because that's been earned. That's been earned through good old-fashioned work, which is a whole lot different to if your client turns up once every six months and think, thinks they know everything, yet they're still five dress sizes overweight. Get the fuck out of here. Yes. What do you reckon? Completely agree. Oh, 100%. That's right. You knew it was coming, didn't you? Yes. You saw me reach for the button. Of course. Uh, shall I do the next one? Last one. Second last one. Okay. DPTs, please stop telling people what they want to hear. Tell them what they need to hear. And this is, this is a difficult thing for people in our line of work is – having the cojones to have tough conversations with people because yeah. it, it can be hard because yeah. you know what it no one no one really enjoys it especially early on yeah. where you've got to tell someone like hey like you can pull your socks up here or you might have a client that asks you a question you can go well you know what here's how you ask a better version of that question it's I've seen a lot of trainers. I think we both have, Courtney. Molly coddle their clients. Oh, it's okay that you didn't go to the gym this week or this month or the last six months. Like, actually, no, it's not. It doesn't line up with your fucking goals. Do you still want your goals? Yeah. Like, if you don't, then, okay, cool. It is an, what are we doing here? It is an art. Uh, it's a skill. It's a skill. Mm. And... I definitely am someone who's struggled with those sort of conversations over the years and still do. I still don't find it comes very naturally and easily for me and it's still a skill that I'm working on. I definitely think it's a skill that you get better at the more you do it. It's the only – well, isn't that the only way to get better at anything? It is. But I, I definitely think that there is some upskilling that can be done. There's some, there's some great resources out there. There's some great podcasts and there's some great TED Talks on, on how to – how to have these sort of awkward, uncomfortable conversations. Well, you know, you can even do courses. Yeah. Um, courses and classes on how to deliver feedback. Yeah. And there's definitely a lot of resources out there and I would encourage, I'd encourage if you feel like that this is a weakness for you and your business to look into it and to start upskilling. But you're right. And the only other way to improve is to work on it. I don't think I, – I think it's safe to say you're not going to get it right every time, especially when you're working on it. Mm. But the intention – if the intention's always coming from a good place, then it, 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 it's fine. What, what helps with being able to tell people what they need to hear versus what they want to hear is also having an understanding of the person you are delivering the feedback to yes. and tweaking your approach to suit. Yes. So I've always had the, the example of the closed fist and the open hand. So some people respond well to the closed fist. You give them a verbal backhand, and that's me personally. I prefer that way when feedback's coming to me because there's no, there's no ambiguity there. That's just how I roll. Not everyone's like that. Some people prefer the open hand. Give them a cuddle. Yes. You know, and give them a nudge along. Yes. But, um, you know, like for me, it's a, an example I've given to a, a trainer recently is you use one hand to give the backhand and one hand to give the cuddle. Yes. And just understand who you're actually delivering it to and, and tweak your approach to suit, which is why with coaching, one size never fits all. But the, the point of this, this whole, this particular point in the show is that people come to you in order to be challenged and they come to you in order to be guided along a path of improvement. But the thing is, people can't improve if you haven't got the guts to tell them where they can improve. Yeah, yeah. And th there needs to be discussions with people, and especially when they first start, 
Like, hey, I'm giving you this feedback. It's not because I'm having a go at you. It's not because I'm judging you or because this is personal because none of that. It's because you've come to us or you come to me to get somewhere you can't get to by yourself. And if you first sign up with a, a, a coach and you just started and they're telling you straight away, oh, you're doing really, really well. Keep doing what you're doing. Is, is that really helpful? No. That's not to sit here and say you should tell your clients everything that they're not doing well at all. You've got to pick and choose where you're going here. But it's got to start with, hey, here's the first things that we want you to improve on. Yes. And this is what we do with our own clients. So, you know, clients send through their first ever meal record, which is seven days of recording what they're doing, exercise, eating, drinking, sleeping, all that, all that sort of good stuff. Now, I'm going to be honest with this. A client's first meal record looks a, a bit of a bit different to what it looks like twelve months later. Yeah, as it should. But how do you bridge the gap between when they first start to twelve months later? It's you telling them, okay, we, I can see what you're doing well here. You're doing well in these areas. Where you want to improve next are these areas over here. Yeah. And you just explain. He's he's what we want you to do. He's why. He's how we think it will help. Go forth and implement. Yes. And I think you you've made a good point. It, it it helps to set great expectations in the first place. I'm glad you said that as well, Courtney, which means I'm glad I said that. But also that there really is about telling people when they first come with whenever you first bring a client on, they need to know up front, even before up front, pre prior to even starting with you, that you're gonna treat them like adults. Yes. And that we are here for improvement. We're not gonna judge you. We're not going to hold anything against you. We're not going to think any less of you because you're a human just like the rest of us. But hey, we are going to treat you like an adult and we are going to tell you where we want you to, to work on and where we think you can improve because yeah. that's why you're here. Yes. Yeah. And as again, it comes to, for me, if you want to really simplify it, it comes to setting expectations. Mm. It comes to working on how to communicate with that particular client in a way that they're going to respond to. How how are they going to take – how do you need to phrase constructive criticism to get the best out of them? Mm. And it's also coming down to confidence in what you're saying, confidence in the direction and the advice going. that you're giving. Yeah. And it's also, to me, it's following up with real um, tools to help. So mm. you're not just – Giving it's not enough just to give constructive criticism. You have to follow that up with a conversation about where can we go to help. How can well not just that though, but how can this be implemented? Yes. Yeah. That we need tools to follow up. Yep. So I think if those things are covered, you go a long way in being able to have these what you used to maybe think were really awkward conversations. It, it suddenly productive. becomes more productive. It suddenly becomes less daunting because mm. you're not having to poke holes in things because that's not what it's about. Yeah. You're giving people, you're setting the expectations, you're giving constructive feedback, you're giving it in a way that you know that that particular client is going to appreciate and you're following up with tools. So it becomes less about an awkward conversation, reframe it in your mind, less of this, I need to have an awkward conversation and more of a, we need to have a mentoring discussion or we need to have a constructive feedback discussion or we need to take steps forward and I have and I think I've found an area of improvement. Well, it could be as simple as like, hey, we've identified this thing's working against you. We need to put a plan in place to, to get you yeah. moving past this. Yeah. Um, the, the approach I've had for a very, very long time now, and I'm very transparent with this, is that, I, I try to consider myself even-handed in this way where I personally have – I'm no longer – I no longer have any any issues giving someone constructive feedback or even kicking someone's ass when necessary. But on the other hand, I will rain down praise on them when they've made any sort of improvement or put yeah. in any sort of effort. I try to be very even-handed with that. Yeah, it's really important. I. Yeah, I'll have no problem putting my boot in someone's butt. But on the other hand, I will give them a million high fives yeah, and all the praise in the world when they do really, really good and they're putting in real effort because they've earned that. 
Yes. And I would like to think, and I hope, really hope that with the people I coach and have coached over the years, that they've got that impression from me. Yeah. Where it's like, gee, Matt has chewed me out at times and really kicked my ass, but has also really given me the love when it's been there. Yeah. And I, I think that's advice I would give to a PT listening as well is like don't be afraid to kick some ass but make sure you give them the love when it's earned because like so many clients you get are putting in you know the hard yards and that's got to be recognised. Yeah. It's not just negative, negative, negative or areas of improvement only. It's also recognising like, hey, I can see you putting in the effort in these areas. Well fucking done. Yeah. Please keep going with that. Yeah. Uh, anything else you'd add there? I'd just add one more thing that it's just just understanding it's far more valuable for people to be told what they need to hear more than what they want to hear because what being told what you want to hear doesn't necessarily guarantee you're going to improve or get any closer towards your desired outcomes. Yeah? Yes. There is one more thing with this. Um Secretly, we actually don't hope they stop doing these things. Please, PTs, keep continuing these things because it makes us look better than what we really are. <laughs> no, I do hope they change. Yeah. I do hope they improve. So I reckon that's a wrap. Yes. Uh, so hopefully you've got something out of this episode, even if you aren't APT. APT, a bit yes. of insight into sort of some behind-the-scenes stuff with our line of work. You know what? And I, I, I truly feel like these are lessons that you could implement in to other industries. These, are these, these to me, are, are really good. Well, in some cases, it can be it can sort of cross over for yeah. sure, definitely. But, yes, if, if you're a PT as well, I really hope that this has helped. If not, well, okay. Sorry. We'll do better next time. <laughs> Courtney, <laughs> Facebook group. Facebook group, The Weight Loss Podcast, very easy to find on Facebook, The Weight Loss Podcast. You'll also find a direct link to it in your podcast app. Have a look there now in the episode description and it's embedded there. Yes. You'll also find any uh, sort of additional notes on this episode and other episodes of the podcast over at the website, which is what? Theweightlosspodcast.com. And you can contact us via email and the email is podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com. And wow. that's a wrap. That's a wrap. So hopefully you've got a lot out of this. Uh, season six will roll on next week. Have a good one. We will see you then. Bye. Are you ready to share your success? Head over to our website for full access to our show notes, resources based on today's topic, and links to our Facebook group so you can share your story with our hosts and many others out there who are looking to achieve and maintain their health and fitness goals. You can find all that and more exclusively at theweightlosspodcast.com.